probably one of the most doctrinally misunderstood passages of Scripture in the Word of God. Most folks will live a lifetime in church and never understand the doctrinal interpretation of this chapter. But look in verse number 11 in Luke chapter number 15. Jesus is speaking here and he said a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. There wasted his substance with righteous living. When he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. They began to be merry. Now I'm getting to where I'm going. Now his elder son was in the field. As he came and drew nigh to the house... He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him, And answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. We often refer to this, and many of the headings in your Bible refer to this story, as the story of the prodigal son. By definition, the word prodigal means to be wantonness, to be reckless, and to be wasteful. 
But this morning, if God will help me by the grace of God, I'm going to talk to you on the subject, will the real prodigal please stand up? By way of application is generally the way you'll ever hear this scripture addressed, and that's not wrong. But spiritual application, you see repentance and the restoration of fellowship. Don't you ever forget this morning that God doesn't just punish His children. God corrects His children. If you're saved by the grace of God and you mess up, and if you're saved, you can mess up. You can mess up real big. And don't you ever get so pharisaical looking down your nose at somebody that you don't understand you could mess up fall flat on your face. But when you do as a child of God, God will correct you. And you can sin, you can hurt God, you can so grieve the Holy Ghost of God that you feel like you're lost again. And you will never, never, never be what you used to be. You'll never, never have fun and enjoy sin the way you used to. And you'll never, never be able to stay in the hog slop of this world. And now having said that by way of doctrinal interpretation this morning, this scripture tells of the love of Christ for sinners. It tells the entire story of the mission of Christ to save sinners. And when you see this, chapter number 15, what you see is the first parable is the parable of a lost sheep. The second parable is the parable of the lost coin. And then thirdly, you see the parable of the lost sons or the prodigal sons. But when you look at this, you see, first of all, in the parable of the lost sheep, you see the ministry of Jesus Christ in the salvation of a soul. That sheep was lost. The shepherd wasn't lost. The sheep couldn't get to the shepherd, so the shepherd went to the sheep. That's Jesus going after a lost sinner. Then you see the parable of the lost coin. And you see the ministry or the work of the Holy Spirit of God working through the church to find that there was lost. There was an inanimate object that was cold and did not know it had a need. And worked and found that lost coin and put it in the bag with the rest of the coins in the church where it belonged. Then finally you see the ministry of the Father in the salvation of a soul as the Father looks for a lost son. And you see the responsibility of man to respond to the call of the Father. Luke chapter 15 verse number 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. The younger brother is a type of these publicans and sinners that came to hear Jesus. The elder brother describes the scribes and Pharisees that murmured because Jesus received sinners. You see, one is rejected the other as respected. You see, one is rebellious, the other as religious. But both were L O S T lost. Both 
both of them did not know God. Unregenerate lost sinners. And boy, I see that unfold in the local church this morning. The Word of God said that He gave them His living It was his living, not theirs. It wasn't anything they worked for. It was purely grace. And the word of God said, not many days, the younger took all and went into a far country. Not many days is a picture of the innocency of a child. And then it's also a picture of someone who tries to straighten up on their own and do right like many of you have done before you ever got saved. You had a little altar experience and you tried to do better and stop doing this or start doing that. But the Word of God said not many days and without the aid of the Holy Ghost you won't last long trying to do right. Then the Word of God says that he went into a far country. What does a far country mean? A far country was anywhere out of sight of daddy. A far country was anywhere daddy wasn't at. But what does that mean, Brother Jesse? What does that typify? What does that picture? It pictured the manifest presence of the Holy Ghost of God. What did that boy do in sin, running with harlots and going out and spending his money in the juke joints of this world? He was away from the manifest presence of the Father. What does that say about the elder son? The elder son stayed at the house. The elder son was in church. The elder son wasn't out running around. The elder son was in the manifest presence of the Father. And those in this building this morning that will receive the greater damnation in hellfire are those who stayed in the manifest presence of the Holy Ghost of God, yet did nothing about it. The Word of God said he spent all and a great famine came and he was in want. You see, the providential work of God is God works in his life to bring him to a place of repentance. Then the Word of God said the younger son joined himself to a citizen of that country. And you see, man's attempt to do something on his own and be self-sufficient and fix things himself. I see that all the time as I look around. I see folks try to fix themselves. And it was easier for this son to join himself to a citizen of that country than it was to go back to face his daddy. Almost anything in this world is easier than really repenting and getting saved. Almost anything is easier for you to do than to stand up and say, I'm lost. And I need to be saved. That's why so few will ever really get born again, Miss Pat. Because it's a whole lot easier to straighten up, do right, give money to the church, be faithful, do everything you can do. And that's what this boy did. He tried to join himself to someone. But the Word of God said he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. The word fain means gladly. He would have been tickled to death to fill his belly with the husk the swine did eat, but no man gave unto him. 
Now you stop and you look at this. You, and I say this and you can say this and this is right. But this scripture don't say this. He wasn't eating hog slop. He was starving to death, Brother Wesley. He was dying. He would have been glad to eat hog slop. But they wouldn't nobody give him none. He was starving. He was dying. He was on his way down. And finally there came a place that he came to himself. By spirit revelation, he was revealed in his heart that it's better with the servants at my daddy's house than it is for me to die in a hog pen. God's got to reveal to you you're lost and dying in a hog pen. You ain't eating the scraps of this world. You're starving to death trying to get something to live on. Then you come to the situation where you see the elder brother. And I'll give you three things by way of alliteration about the elder brother. The elder brother, as you look in the scripture in Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. The elder servant this morning knew more about the field than he did about the father. He knew more about the field than he knew about forgiveness. Because when he heard music and dancing, which was the heart of the father, to rejoice because of the son, he stood outside and said, what's going on in there? What are they crying about? What are they standing up and shouting and hooping and hollering about? I don't feel nothing. He knew more about the field than he knew about forgiveness. He knew every inch of ground. He knew every property line. He knew where every corner stake was. He knew the field, but he didn't know the father because he didn't know a thing about forgiveness. You know one reason he didn't know anything about forgiveness? Because he didn't realize he was a sinner. He didn't know he needed none. He refused to relate to his brother. And many inside the church this morning know the ceremony. They know the rules, the rituals, and the regulations. But they know nothing of regeneration. Why? Because they'll never see themselves as lost. And they'll stand outside and scratch their head and wonder what's going on with that crowd that's worshiping and praising God and crying and praying and all the time wanting to run down to a meeting and get under preaching and get around where the Word of God's going on. And they'll never understand that and they'll never see themselves lost. And if you don't ever see yourself lost, you'll never know what it is to be forgiven. And you know what it is with some of these folks that God's changed their lives and made them different? And I look around this building and I see little old souls that God saved by the grace of God. And I see the sweetest little smiles come up on your face when I get to talking about Jesus. And you know what it is? You know what it is to be forgiven. You know what it was to be dirty and filthy and degraded. And know what it was for God to come along and by His grace pick you up in His mercy and wrap His arms of love around you. And you know what you deserve. You know where you ought to be and you know where God's brought you to. And it helps you to weep and worship and praise God for what he's done. And the rest of this crowd can't do that because they know a whole lot about the field. 
They don't know a thing about forgiveness. They know every, I mean, you can say turn to page 120 and they know what song it is. Turn to page 57 they know what song it is. They know when to stand up, when to sit down, when to shut up, when to say amen, when to shout and hoop and holler, but they don't know a thing about God. He knew a whole lot about the field, but he didn't know nothing about forgiveness. That younger brother, the word of God said, came to himself. That younger brother had faith in his heart before he ever went back to the father's house. He already believed because the goodness of God bringeth thee to repentance. He knew his daddy was good. He knew his daddy was good to his servants. And if his daddy would be good to the servants, he knew daddy would at least treat him like a servant. And he had it in his heart before he ever turned around. And he saw himself for what he was. And he went back to his father's house. And you can see that little old boy going back to the father's house and there he is. Man, he's a mess. He smells like a hog pen, Brother Brandon. He's got pig mud from head to toe. And he's making his way back and he's done purpose in his heart. There ain't nothing that matters to me but getting back to my daddy's house. And he's walking down the road and the word of God said that the father saw him when he was yet a great way off. And the word of God said he ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. Why didn't the older brother see him when he was a great way off? Because his older brother wasn't looking for him. Why wouldn't a servant, why didn't a servant run out there and say your boy's coming home? Because the servant wasn't looking for him. Who was looking for him? Daddy was looking for him. Daddy was worried about where that boy was at. Hey, listen, I was lost and undone without God. Didn't care about God. Wasn't trying to get to God. But I bless his name. He was looking for me. And he come running. That little old boy bows down. I could see him get down on his hands and knees at his father's feet. And say, Daddy, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to be called your boy no more. But just let me be a servant. I'd rather be a servant here than live in that hog slop. Daddy didn't call him a servant. Daddy wrapped his arms around him. Told one of the servants, go back to the house and get the best robe. He didn't say get a robe. He said get the best robe. Who's the best robe in the house belong to? Daddy. It's the father's robe. It's the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now that boy was in hog slop, pig mud, head to toe, and daddy took that robe, put that thing around that boy and said, son, yeah, I don't see no pig mud. <laughs> All I see is my robe on you. <laughs> Praise God. Can you imagine how they cut loose when they got back at the house? And them servants seen how good he had treated his boy. And he was just glad his wandered boy had come back home. He didn't care what he smelled like, what he looked like. he come back with a humble, sweet, tender heart. Daddy, I just want you to be pleased. <laughs> You know what he knew, Brother Jody? He knew about forgiveness. Some of y'all know about forgiveness. Some of y'all just know about the field. You don't know a thing about forgiveness because you ain't never seen yourself a sinner. But Miss Carol, it's awful sweet when you see yourself a sinner and you get humble before the Father. And then you can enjoy forgiveness. Then you can enjoy what it's like to know God's washed your sins away and made you different. And then the word of God tells us in verse 29, He answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. Daddy, you don't know how lucky you are to have a boy like me. 
I ain't never messed nothing up. I've been here. Daddy, can't you say I got Sunday school pins knock my knees every time I walk in the building? I'd never miss a service. I'd be right here. I'll do my little thing. I always give my tithes, and I got a record of tithing, and I've been so good. And Daddy, I ain't never done nothing like he's done. And then it goes on. And said, yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Uh-oh. The attitude of his heart's is seeping out. <laughs> Daddy, you never give me no kid, no goat, nothing that I could. Uh, you never give me nothing I could make merry with my buddies. Right. You know what he was worried about? He loved his friends more than he loved the fellowship. Yeah. He was worried about what everybody else thought of him. Because he wanted to be the big man. Here I have been good. Everybody else is shouting and crying, and I've been so good, and I ain't got no shout. There's some of y'all, you've been good as you can be, but when folks get to worship and praising God, you ain't got no worship in you. There's a whole lot of folks, they're more interested in what people think about them than they are that God be pleased with them. And the humility of this younger son brought more glory to his father than all the good works that older boy could have ever done. That's why your good works won't ever get you in. What brings God glory? What brings God honor? When he sees a repentant heart come fall before him and say, Daddy, I'm dirty. I'm despicable and I don't deserve anything, but I need help. That younger son couldn't have cared less what anybody thought about him. He's willing to be a servant. But the only thing that mattered to that younger son, that his daddy would be pleased with him. It so broke his heart when he come back. Do you understand what a degradation it is for an Orthodox Jew to be around a hog? There he has been in there feeding them pigs and living in pig mud and had to come back to his daddy and as ashamed as that boy was, the only thing that was on his mind is I want to please my daddy. He was worried about what his daddy thought. He couldn't care less what his buddies thought. He couldn't care less about what them folks back there in that other country thought about him. And when you get born of the Spirit of God, you get to the place where you don't care what everybody else thinks about you. You don't care what your husband thinks or your wife thinks or your mama thinks or your daddy thinks. But the only thing you want to do is please Jesus. And that gets in your heart. You want to be pleasing to him. And I'm telling you, that elder son cared a whole lot more about his friends than he did fellowship with his father. Today, i got friends that I love, but I'm a whole lot more interested in fellowship with my father because I can't live without him and I can't do without him. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's folks in this building, you say you're saved, and you can go days on end and never get around the things of God. You don't have a desire to put your nose in the Word of God and read your Bible. You don't have a desire to listen to preaching. There's some of these folks got saved, and they listen to preaching hours upon hours every day. Because it feeds their soul. You ain't got that desire. You don't do that. I'm going to tell you what. When you get saved by the grace of God, there's a fellowship, Miss Donna, that you get. And you get to want that fellowship and you get to want to be with God. Brother Wesley, there's some times that I went off and left you alone down there on that riverbank. And it wasn't that I don't like it. It wasn't that I wasn't concerned with what was going on. It wasn't that I didn't want to be a help. Brother Jesse, sometimes I get peopled out. Sometimes I just need to be alone and I need to be quiet. And you know what I did all day long yesterday? I just went to the basement, went to my chair, got alone and got quiet.
because I wanted fellowship with my father more than I want to know what my friends is doing. There's times in your life when you're born in the spirit of God, there may be important things going on around you. But Miss Nita, you better unhook and you better get by yourself. You young mothers better put the babies down. You better get off somewhere by yourself and get along with God because your fellowship with your father is worth more than everything this world's got to offer. That elder son was a whole lot more worried about his friends than he was his father. Then finally, that elder brother, and I'm going to get through, he loved that farm more than he loved his father. Verse number 28, the word of God said, He was angry and would not go in. Now, it's real easy to look at this and think about how mad he is at his younger brother. But that ain't what this book says. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither Can you hear the hate in his voice? Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou... Never gave us me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son has come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. Who do you reckon he was mad at? Brother Bobby wasn't mad at his brother. He was mad at the father. He was mad at daddy. How dare you let him go out and spend the inheritance of this farm on harlots and come back and you forgive him. You know what he wanted? He wanted the old man to die so he could have a farm. and Quit giving it away. There's some of you this morning, you ain't caught on. You'll never catch on to this. There's folks sitting in this building this morning. You hate God. You hate Him. Because you want the farm to be run your way. You want things to go your way. You want church to go your way. You want that slobber and holler and preacher to do it your way. And it ain't going to happen your way. Because your way's the wrong way. And that boy's way was the wrong way, and he hated his father. And there's folks sitting here this morning, you hate God. You've got no joy, you've got no peace, you've got no Holy Ghost. And I see folks all the time that are in love with religion. They want to have praise and worship. They want to swing and sway and do lively music and repetitive words over and over and over again and have a man stand up in a monotone voice and tell them a pretty story about how everybody's going to go to heaven. And then a slobbering Baptist preacher full of the Holy Ghost stand up and run right through your little pea patch, plow up your little road, mess up your little world, and you get mad as the devil. Who you getting mad at? Brother Wesley, those folks that hate your guts, son. Stand up and weep and cry. Brag on Jesus. They hate your guts. Brother Jesse, those folks probably sitting in this building this morning hate your guts. 
handing out them CDs everywhere you go telling people about Jesus hates your guts. Miss Nita, I've watched you for about a month be full of the Holy Ghost of God everywhere you went. There's a Baptist preacher called me just the other day and said he used Nita Nelson as an illustration in a message because he's seen the joy in her life that God would give her. Those folks hate your guts, sis. But it ain't you they hate. It wasn't that younger son he hated. It wasn't his younger brother he hated, Brent. He hated the father. And this religious crowd hates God. Miss Pat, they don't want nothing to do with God. They love religion. They don't want nothing to do with truth. They don't want nothing to do with the fullness of the Holy Ghost of God. They don't want anything to do with real worship. They'd rather go to one of these little liberal outfits, Brother Jody, where they ain't got no Bible. Got them some new international version. Got some little fellow that'll stand up and never say nothing to make anybody nervous. They like religion. He liked that farm, but he didn't like his father. He wanted things done his way, and he wanted the inheritance, but he didn't want his father's way. There's a lot of folks sitting here this morning, you want to go to heaven. You want the blessings of God, but you don't want to go God's way. You'll die and go to hell. This morning, you have a Lord in your life. That elder son's Lord was that farm, Brother Jesse. He wasn't interested in the lordship of his father. He was interested in that piece of land controlled him. This morning, every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl in this building, this has power. I said it one time two weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. Every one of you have a Lord in your life. Every one of you, all of you. It may not be the Lord Jesus, but you have a Lord in your life. What do you mean, Brother Mike? I mean something that mandates dictates, regulates, and motivates everything you do. There's something you're living for. And it might not be Jesus. You know why some of these folks laid down on that river the whole time, couldn't get enough of it, stayed around the preaching of the Word of God and the things of God? Just sung praises to God, sat around that campfire talking about Jesus and sharing their testimony. And Some of you drove your good clean cars in that dusty road every night and got around and you ladies worked and did what you did. You love Jesus. And you've tried to make him Lord of your life. And you're interested in what your father's interested in. And if your father's interested in showing up on a riverbank, you want to be there with him. Some of you love the father. Some of you just love the farm. You've got a Lord in your life. It may be your job. It may be making another dollar. It may be having some vehicle. It may be having some house or some land or some toy, some trinket. It may be your children. It may be your grandchildren. You may dedicate your life to making sure your children, your grandchildren have it better than you had it. You've got a Lord. Something rules you. It may be your lust. It may be your depraved flesh. It may be pornography. It may be alcohol. It may be drugs. And it may be religion. Something leads you is the Lord of your life. I'm through this morning. But I'm going to tell you something about these two boys. One was rebellious. 
One was religious, but both of them were lost. And when the story ends, Brother Jesse, when it's all over, when it's all said, and when it's all done, they wasn't but one of them went in the house. Didn't but one of them go in the house. Because in the story, that younger brother was a type of the publicans and sinners that came for repentance. But that elder brother was a type of the scribes and Pharisees, the very ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. Modern religion today as we know it would have put him back on that cross. Just like they did then, Brother Jesse. It wouldn't be a lick different. But you know who got help, Miss Jamie? The ones that's willing to be humble. The ones that's willing to fall down at the Father's feet and say, I am so sorry. I have messed this thing up, but I didn't mean to. And I just, the only thing I want is just to get around where you're at. I don't have to be your son. I ain't interested in this farm. I ain't interested in the inheritance. I don't care if you don't just give me a portion of what you let the servants eat. Just let me work for it. Just as long as I get to be around you. Better you ever get that attitude toward Jesus, Brother Ricky, where all you want is Jesus. You don't want anything this world's got. You're not interested in anything this world's got to offer. The only thing, Sambo, you want is Jesus Christ. When you get to that place, you'll get help. You will get help. Heads bowed, eyes closed.